directly from the launch pad. Bringing blue collar to your cell tower. The rock and roll libertarian himself. It's time to blast off with Johnny Rocket. Hey, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my Ray of Truth, Miss Rayleigh Lightheart. Bam! Hello, Johnny. How are you? Doing pretty well, doing pretty well. This is episode yeah. 71, Rayleigh. Goddamn. Holy moly. 71. We've actually made it through the tough times, the challenging times, but yes, we have made it past <laughs> 70, which, you know, is kind of a big deal. I mean, if yeah, you think about it, if we're you in our golden years, our golden years. <laughs> but I mean, if you listen to the show from the beginning, and we're not even counting specials, but if you listen mm-hmm. to all of our stuff together, that's more than seven of somebody wow. having to listen from the beginning to now. And that's so insane. these two crazy kids. Crazy Thank you kids. For being a friend. Oh God. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, Uh-oh. you went there. I did it. You went there. You went there. So I'm. Uh, you ready for the show, Raylena? Because I'm really excited about this one. I. I know you're excited. I'm excited. Let's do this. <laughs> well, why would we do the show if we weren't, right? Right. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so there may be little to no warning before a crisis arises, and people usually start panicking when the time is running out. The event is the main thing that will dictate your course of action and response time, regardless if you're a prepper or not. However, to make sure you're doing the right thing, you need to develop a crisis mindset. Things we have to ask ourselves. Have I prepared enough? What is my plan B if things go radically south for all of us? Is there some scenario I never thought of blooming into fruition? Have you stockpiled enough? Have you planned on every scenario? It could be anything from an economic collapse, social unrest, food shortages, unchecked violence, energy crisis, rampant diseases, or martial law, or a combination of all these things. Today, we're talking to Matthew Short. Matthew is a public relations director at Don'tComply.com, co-host of the Don't Comply show, survivalist, and open carry activist who is now embedded deep in a location that he will not disclose. Okay, Raylene, prepare for liftoff. Copy that, Johnny. Covers, tie-downs, and grounding cables. Removed as required. Communications connected. Check. Preamps in the green. Check. Cold beer. Double check. Thrusters are hot, Raylene. Are you ready to rock? All systems go, Johnny. Let's blast off with Matthew Shore. Hey guys, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good, pretty good. We're uh, we're uh, I'm am d- drinking beers. I don't know about you, Matthew, but that's kind of like, like a requirement if you're a guest here on the show. You have to be drinking some beers. Well, I'm glad that you said that during your opening because I was about to pop a beer, but I just want to like make it sound like it's back. <laughs> go hard on it. It's great for the effects. Yes. We, we want it realistic and, and real. Like, yeah, we who want wants it. to be in space without beer? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you have nothing else to do. It's like being in quarantine all the time, right? If you're in a spaceship. So, man, here's the thing. You know, what disasters should one plan for? And what are some of the things that everyone should be ready for? And ultimately, why should we prep instead of panic like everyone else is and buying all the goddamn toilet paper? Well, I'm, I'm guessing that I have the freedom to that I want to on this show. Oh, yeah, you yep. say whatever the hell you want. Okay. You know, the big joke that I had when people started buying toilet paper was everybody said, this is 
So, <laughs> with the toilet paper first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a that's a key indicator, right? Right. So, like, you know, again, like, what should we plan for? I, I mean, what are some of the plans that, you know, what are some of the things everyone should be ready for in this situation? And especially yeah, in the like situation we're in most, now. What are the most likely scenarios that preppers and survivalists are getting ready for potentially happening? Oh, man. You know, I've, I've been through a lot of wild scenarios already with hurricanes and mm-hmm. open carry movement stuff, armed marches, infantries. And the, the thing that I'm really planning for right now, um, well, we've been trying to we've been trying to ready people for over a decade for what's happening right now. It seems like a civil war, and potentially like a Marxist communist takeover. So Stalin and Mao Zedong, a few of them, they starved out millions of people when their takeovers happened. So I think as we see a lot of the meat processing plants go down, and um, only the the FEMA stores like Walmart being open right now, the big corporate box stores being open. All the pop shops being closed. Uh, there's millions of people that are not working right now. And I think that they're soon too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And I think that it seems to be like everyone's kind of starting to think about planting victory gardens. And it's, it is starting to kind of, the normies are starting to take notice and start re- recognizing that they should start thinking about storage of food. So um, about food storage, I have a question. A... Uh, I'm going to say, what are the best foods to hoard? Or and and I I don't care what people say. Don't say hoard. It, you know, yeah, fuck them. Uh, but but <laughs> the, the truth is, Gouch. yeah, yeah. Gouch. I, I'm sorry. It is my hoard. I'm my dragon. This is my land. <laughs> this is it. where I'm keeping my. <laughs> you know, um, but but what it comes down to is uh, not only what foods, but. When you're prepping, is it integral in prepping to look at what our ancestors were eating and how they were eating and, and what they were doing to take care of themselves in the prepping? Does that help prepare for the future without things as we know it? Sure. You know, um, in, a, in a short time frame, uh, let's, let's call it six months to a year, uh, things like canned goods are going to be really good for you. Those are going to last well. If you have a storage that's outside of the sun, whatnot, you can, you can store up. Know, canned goods, but now we're even seeing in the in the box stores and stuff where they're not allowing people to take more than a couple of cans of one thing. Mm-hmm. While we have the interweb still up going, uh, one of the things that I've been studying for a lot of years is wild foraging. There are some plants out in the forest. Let's take let's take two of the commonest one, commonest ones that you find all across the country. One is um, uh, one's going to be a natural carrot, and the other one's going to be poison. Uh, one's going to be Queen Anne's lace, mm-hmm. and the other one is uh, what did they kill Socrates with? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. If you don't know the difference between the two flowers, you don't know the difference between the two plants, which look a lot of a lot alike. Yeah, one will feed your belly and feed your stew, and one will kill you. So it's a lot like mushroom foraging too. So a lot that are edible will look a lot like poisonous ones. And if you don't learn how to check spore prints or check the gills and and, and your identification, then you could really die just by touching them. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, you have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like I was saying, like it's it's important. It's a lot like politics. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Well, here's the thing too. It's like, you know, there's a lot of like survival books and magazines and guidebooks and all that stuff. And it, they're great. They're great to have. And it's good as a reference. However, you know, it's really hard to kind of go out there. And, you know, I don't know if the average person is going to be going outside with a handbook and going, okay, mm, okay, I, I can eat that, I think. And you're still going to have that doubt. 
Do you know what I mean? And it, I'm just saying, I don't know if I would go out there and start eating if I'm not 100% sure I know it's safe. Even if it says I in would. the book, it's good to go. You'd be like, is that the same thing? I don't know. I'd have a yeah, little gotta, bit of a... You got to feed it to a pigeon first. <laughs> like, see, if the, gotta... see if the goddamn pigeon dies. Okay, it's good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Not the worst thing. So, um, so the dry goods and how, how do people store food? And do you think that we need to be worried about storing food without electricity and ways to prep the food without electricity? Is that something that people should be taking seriously in the near future, do you think? Oh, yeah, God, we could do shows upon shows on food preparation and storage and things like that. Mm-hmm. One of the most common things that people did in our past was dig some sort of underground root cellar. Because mm-hmm. once you get under the ground, that usually stays somewhere around 50 to 60 degrees year-round, even when it's summertime. And you can keep, you know, your even your potatoes and tomatoes and stuff like that at a cooler temperature where they're not going to rot on you as quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right things like fermenting too, correct, uh, are so really yeah. good for your gut flora and super healthy, especially when we're worried about our immunity. Um, people don't really know all about the benefits of fermented foods that are raw with all those probiotics in their system, correct? Yeah, and there's also tons of ways out there to set up smokehouses where mm-hmm. you can put a little roof and walls on a building and you can start a small fire and you can smoke something for a day or two at a time. Let's say you kill a deer with some small game like rabbits or squirrel or whatever. And you want to you want to provide yourself with protein and that meat. Mm-hmm. Let's say you've got to hike multiple hours every day on your hunts or whatever. Right. You can you can smoke meat down to a point where it becomes like jerky and that'll be something you can carry around with you. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things in survival that man's done for thousands of years to stay alive and sadly like when the great depression happened you know 90 percent of the people were self-sufficient back then but today in our daily lives people are starting to find a month into this lockdown that they don't really have those same sort of qualities that we had as as man back then where we could take care of ourselves Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. no totally dude well, here's the thing, like regarding survival, we're obviously doing the show because of this COVID-19 pandemic going on and people are, a lot of people are getting concerned. And the economy collapse. The economy mm-hmm. collapsing, all these factors that are going on, possible martial law, possible forced vaccinations, all these things that are possibly in the works. And I'm using this word possibly because possibly will happen. Here's the deal. I want to ask, in your opinion, what is your, you know, it's the fan plan and what should it be for most people? Do you recommend that people go underground? Do they go out of the country? What country do you think is the safest to go to? Is the U.S. still a good place to be? And what state? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. If you could stay in the U.S. So, I mean, I just want to know what you would do. Where would you go? And kind of like your your situation, your bug out plan. Well, right now we have been watching a lot of the militias. and I'm, I'm very involved with a lot of militias and other activists across the country. And I think a lot of people have um, initiated their bug out plans weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And we've discussed this over the last decade. Do you bug in? Do you bug out? Yeah. Uh, what do you do in your situation? Well, it, it comes down to who you are as an individual and your situation and where you're at. Right now, I think what we're seeing happen is the people who have been doing lots of plans and 
you can even call them false flag activities where they were planning for things to happen. Some of those went live. And they're working towards what they've been calling Agenda 21. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agenda 21, they wanted to come down like a communist nanny state and take care of the cities. And they want to track everybody like cattle and see where they're going and doing. RFID. And right now they're saying yep. that some... Yeah, they're saying that some people's jobs are non-essential, like the service industry. Ugh. You know, anything that's entertainment, you're out of there right now. There's, mm-hmm. there's no work out there for you at all. We are under a level one pandemic martial law war powers act. Mm-hmm. So essential, essential employees basically means that if you work in the nuclear industry, the electric industry, if you work for uh, hydroelectric dams, if you work for the highway industry, the government, the trucking industry, all of those things that support life and transporting things are essential activities that are meant to keep the government running. And to get a little farther to that, FEMA and tier level one event like this is meant to do continuity of government. And under continuity of government, they try to keep the essential things running as if we were just attacked by a bioweapon. They would do these same plans if we had been attacked by nuclear missiles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Several cities blew up. And so right now, they have told everybody to go home, and the only people that are supposed to be out moving around across the nation are those who keep the infrastructure going. Mm-hmm. These plans under continuity of government are used to ensure that the government stays under control when these things happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, but like, what do you suggest? I mean, as a, as an individual, somebody who's listening yeah, to the show, the a newbie. Yeah, where's the first place you would start yeah, in like, your plan? Like, 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 what is your, like, if you had to do a A, B, C, D for uh, prepping or survivaling, survivalism, bugging out, bugging in for dummies, what would you be like your, your top five places to start researching and start, start prepping and get prepared for? Like guns, food, Medicare, medical, I mean, Medicare. We're, 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 yeah, I want to get some Medicare, Medicare, yeah. Medicare when I'm there. <laughs> Shoot me. <laughs> Why did I say that? Okay. Um, yeah, no, go ahead. For dummies, for newbies, because not everyone knows this. I mean, should they go underground? Should, should you they get the, the place that dodge? you are going first or should you get the supplies? Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody right now has been doing the bug in plan. And that is bug into your homes, take care of your families, you know, be each other, take care of one another. And right now, everybody's at each other's throats, ready to pull their hair out because they've been bugged in so long. <laughs> We're all finding out how much we really love being around each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone doesn't have a haircut. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think we're starting to get towards the side of, do you want to stay bugged in? Because they've been restricting our freedoms a whole lot. And, you know, there's, there's no regular services in the cities. And I keep telling everybody this. The world you believe that we live in is gone. It's not mm-hmm. here anymore. We're in the post-COVID-19 world, just like for a while we were in a post-9-11 world. Right. These things are not going to change. You can make all the arguments about how life was and how you think it's supposed to be. That's gone. It's done. Don't think like that anymore. And I think that's the first thing that we need to really get into our brains to keep ourselves focused on living. Mm-hmm. And once we get past the fear, and the fear campaign that they're putting on us, we get into a place of, okay, what do we need to do to live? And that is going to the victory gardens. 
that is going to do we get out of the cities? I, I think that America right now should be looking at our land and should be getting away from the cities where the governors and the mayors that have been involved in this pandemic are trying to lock everybody down. Right. Mm-hmm. Because what they're doing is they're trying to starve you out right now. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been into this kind of talk for a long time, and there are very strategic relocation areas in the United States. In fact, during the Cold War, they did a lot of this. They created uh, reservoirs in the middle of the country. A lot of those places are places where people go on vacation and go skiing, that sort of thing. Well, those are strategic locations of relocation. And I live in one of those myself right now. I live on the White River chain, uh, which is Beaver Lake, Table Rock Lake, Kenny Como, and Bull Shoals Lake in, in the Ozark Mountains. The Ozark Mountains are outside of a lot of the nuke zones. There's no cities within four hours, five hours of being and we're right in the center of the country. We also have places like Montana and Arizona, Colorado. We know in Colorado they use DIA Airport or Denver International Airport. Mm-hmm. And they have tunnels that go from there all the way to the mountains. And we already know from the news that, well, Trump has already put the very top of the brass, 2,000 foot under the ground, and called up 2 million revert reservists during this mm-hmm. pandemic that's going on. So we are under full War Powers Act right now. And people... Are still arguing about whether they should wear masks and where they're going to shop at and how they're stuck home alone with one another. And they're not even looking at the world around us that we're probably in World War Three right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. And I mean, the reason I'm, you know, want to do the shows, there's a lot of libertarians, a lot of liberty leaning individuals out there that maybe just, you know, maybe they know economics really well, but maybe they're not really experienced with emergency plans or, you know, or the prepping side of things. You know, it's kind of a different lifestyle than a lot of libertarians live more of an intellectual, you know, ivory tower kind of And then there's other libertarians who like to live out in the woods. And those two are kind of strange. You know, I see a lot of the people from the Mises Institute, I'm having trouble visualizing them in the woods, right? So again, like for those people who maybe haven't had that experience other than, you know, maybe a couple of times camping, what about an emergency plan? And what would you include in your plan and the steps in preparing your household to survive and cope, especially during an emergency such as one now or the war that we're in right now? Well, I've been, I've been working with uh, don'tcomply.com and take it for over 10 years now, um, trying to get the nation to arm themselves up. We've been doing uh, open carry walks and we've been telling people, like, we know they're shooting schools up and we know that they're t- saying that. Guns are bad and everything, but our nation was built upon hardcore motherfuckers mm-hmm. that were willing to pick up a rifle and protect their families against the king who were trying to come into their homes and live in their homes and rape their wives. That's mm-hmm. right. And it took 3% of people during that time to stand up to them and start making war with them. And that's all it's going to take to make a difference in our time right now. So the very first thing that I'm going to say is I hope you all are very armed right now. I hope you've bought mm-hmm. a gun. I hope you know how to use it. I hope you're keeping your powder dry and boiling that down. And I also hope that you understand some of the situations we're going on and get past the fear. Yes. Realize that these people are trying to take our land from us. Mm-hmm. It, it literally, they're, they're sending Chinese drones to police departments here so that the Chinese can watch us lock ourselves down 
this communistic lockdown we had under Agenda 2020. Mm-hmm. We're using our cities and modern technology to track everybody. And that's one of the reasons why my family has been set up way out in the woods for a long time. I actually went to high school. I'm almost 40 now. And I kind of grew up out here. And I've been teaching this sort of stuff to libertarians for a while. I, I know a lot of them through Texas and throughout the country. Right. Uh, just being an activist. Um, so people should have firearms. I bought a bow recently. My fingers are all tore up because I've been trying to read the practice today, waiting on doing the show. And that's a silent weapon for a silent war. You don't have to make a big boom. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of things you can learn about trapping. That sort of thing because you're going to have to feed yourself. That's right. You might not be able to expect the grocery stores that have food for you anymore. Right, right. I know that's bad. I know it's a thing that we don't want to hear, but it's science. It's happening to you right now. So people need to think about that. Absolutely. Now, I I love that you brought up trapping and and like there's snares and things like that. And so we're we have like the SAS survival guide, um, which has everything in it. But what are your and we have lots of survival books, but what are your favorite survival books? And if you had to get top three to five books that you think would really help people if they studied them and, and uh, got to practicing? That's a good question. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I have any particular books that I have. Um, there's, there's a couple of survivor guides out there. Wild Foraging is one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hunting and Trapping is another yep. one. Some of the books that teach you how to tan hides, if you if you start learning these things, you'll find out that every animal has enough brains in its body to tan its own hide, which is really <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Amazing. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yep. What about great. the business center, like the business sectors right now that are affected? Should they just kind of like say, it, get, just sell their business and get out? I mean, because right now they're not essential, right? And you have these poor business owners who can't open and they're right now. And of course, you know, the government now is giving them uh, unemployment, right? Most people are claiming unemployment in record numbers, right? And on top of the standard unemployment, now they're getting an additional stipend because of this. So now they're making, some people are making actually more money than they did when they had a job, which is bad. <laughs> I mean, there's no- Yeah, what's UBI? There's, there's what, no- What we have. We, UBI. we have UBI now. It just got passed. It just right. got ratified. So, yeah. Right. You know, it's- I mean, unemployment, again, is not, I think you should be, that should be privatized. But anyway, so long story short, what about business owners and people, you know, who are, who are deemed non-essential? What should they do? When do you throw in the towel? Yeah. Well, what I want everybody to know that might be listening to this is you are essential. Mm -hmm. You know, the government telling people that they're not essential is I know that. I was just meaning what they, what they're saying. Of course, everyone's Yeah, no, no, and, and. And I wanted to get into that because that, that's the plan of the ism, right? Is to tell people they're not essential and, and have them lay down. I mean, a lot of this is population control. And the world war is about population control. And you know, the kings and the queens, they get upset. And they're like, ah, oh, people are waking up and don't comply. And other people help do a 30,000 armed march in Virginia right before we did this. And, oh, they're waking up so much. We're scared of them now. So we're going to lock everything down and starve them out. So we've initiated the don't comply plan and don't comply plan is pretty simple. Don't comply, right? Okay. Carry a gun. It's, it's your second amendment. Carry a gun. Don't comply to them. So let's say the cops are going to come and shut you down because you're, you're opening your business and 
you're going to make everybody sick, right? Right. Because of course. You're the only one open and only one doing business. So you're the <laughs> one going to make people sick. It's all about control. So what you do is you keep the, the close sign on the front of your door and then you do a speakeasy. Yeah. You do it black market. Like personally, I like my coffee black. Like I like my market. That's right. Me too, man. <laughs> I Me like too. To I like a- agorism. Yep. Right. Black and gray. So if you have an ability to trade with people right now, why are you not trading with people right now? We have everybody so scared about making one another sick. We deal with the flu and the cold and things all the time. This is they're not a they're also scared this of the state. making people bleed out of their eyeballs and, and their lungs coughing out of their chest. I mean, literally the, the hospitals are empty and they're now shutting hospitals down because there's nobody going to the hospitals or too afraid of it. So why are you so afraid that you're gonna starve yourselves to death? When you have a store full of things, you can be trading with people. I think they're afraid of being arrested. I think they're afraid of going against the grain because they're afraid of all those Karens out there who call the cops and post your picture and, and local pages. I mean, the, the people that are afraid of the virus are imposing and really threatening those who aren't actually that afraid. After they look at the numbers, they see that people are getting better and that this isn't something they probably worry about. It's not making sense. They, they're starting to question things. And the, the business owners are afraid the government will shut them down or arrest them. I mean, people are afraid to get their kids taken away. And, and isn't that... Yeah, like is, that lady who got her kid, she went to, I don't know what state it was. Idaho. Idaho, Idaho. yeah, that's right. Yeah, she brought her kids out to the playground and she got arrested because she brought her kids out to the playground and they were the only ones there and she got arrested. She let them play on the toys and that was what was legal and they said free speech isn't for everywhere. That's what he, yep. the cop said. I know mm-hmm. people don't like the hard answers sometimes. Yeah. And I'm I'm a super loving person. I, I try to help everybody around me. But right now in the middle of the pandemic, if a couple of armed dudes came up and tried to take my kids from me, yep. I'd probably have to shoot them in the head. I just told that to my mom. I said the same thing. We're finding out that some of these people that are taking children are taking them and the children leave and you never see them again. And we're finding out that, oh my God, there's a lot of people involved in politics and mm-hmm. all and the way up to these Trafficking yeah. and the foster care system is losing children. Trafficking children. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. We've had, our, our groups of guys are involved in Minutemen, militia, everything else. I have been on the border. I have friends that have been on the border many times. We have seen them trafficking children across the border. Ugh. Now, we we live within non-aggression principle. And even though a lot of people want to argue open borders and all of the things, when you actually sit there and you see them trafficking children, you know that they don't have 10 children of their own. And they're like, oh, no, these are all my kids. No, they're not. They're trafficking children. And mm. you realize that the slave trade, it makes you extremely sick to your stomach. Wow. Now, the Minutemen on, on the on the border, what they'll do is they'll usually call border patrol. And how do you know what happens from that point in time? Yeah. Right. This is horrifying. Yeah. And, and it, it's always been a part of it. They're coming to take your children. Yeah. They're coming to take your children, especially when the country's locked down right now. You better become like that mama bear out in the forest. Pull your claws and your teeth out. Protect your children. You own your children. Every aspect of life, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Not let them out of your sight. You not let them go anywhere. I mean, the schools are shut down. They're not supposed to be anywhere anyway. Well, that's so, a, that's and, a good thing. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. I, I agree can, on that. You know what? But, if there's one good thing that came from this, 
is that there's no more public education. <laughs> okay. Well, it's not just true, saying. actually. They just make them do it online and, on I know, computer I know. And, and torture them well, at home. brain brainwashing uh, now. But, no, but again, yeah. it's, it's a good thing. Hey, make sure you check out America's fastest growing number one pro-liberty radio program, Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is on how many nights per week, Raylene? Seven nights. All right, on 190-plus radio stations coast-to-coast, and it's pro-liberty every issue, every time. So check out freetalklive.com. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Anyways, this is Johnny Rocket, always launching ideas with Miss Raylene Lightheart and our guest, Matthew Short. We'll be back after this commercial break. Rock and roll. We have Matthew Short here on the show. Matthew, thank yeah. you so much for being here, man. Really exactly. enjoying the conversation. And it's, it's interesting stuff, what you have to say. And I, again, I, I totally agree. This We're at a, a point now where this is all control. And this is all a ploy to get people used to this situation. It's called conditioning, ultimately. So... What we do here on the second segment, it's called Rocket Fire. What we do on Rocket Fire, sirs, I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions. If you can answer these questions between 30 to 60 seconds, that'd be badass. Mr. Short, are you ready to play Rocket Fire? Do this. All right, man. Question one. What is an ideal survival pack? What should people wear? And what are some of the essentials? And could you list some items that are must in a bug out bag? Yeah, I, as a minute man, I stay prepared. I keep a bug out bag with me. I could dig it out right now, and but I keep a tomahawk in there. I keep a good hunting knife in there. Fits good. Okay. I keep a pistol with me. Uh, usually seventy-two hours worth of food. So if you're going to be stuck somewhere and have to get home, you got three days worth of food. You can actually spread that out to extra change of clothes. Uh, usually a fire striker, or I use big lighters because they can get wet. Still work. Okay some sort of emergency blanket or tarp, extra socks. And if you've ever been homeless or been on the go, extra socks are so amazing. I've seen. Yep, yep. Maybe even emergency radio, an emergency power generator for your phone if you phone still work. That's the kind of very basics that I keep in my bug out bag. Rock and roll, man. Question two. What is often the most overlooked or forgotten survival item? And why is it usually overlooked? Oh, that's a good question. I think a lot of people these days don't keep pencils on them. I mean, Ooh. don't comply plan is keep a pistol on you at all times, man. Keep a pistol on you at all times. This is America and do the freedom things. Uh, the other thing is fire. If you have fire, you can start fire and get warm and cook food. You can worry about shelter and water later. You'll have to have fire to clean your water. So uh, different forms of fire is usually my go-to. Okay, rock and roll, man. Question three. I think we kind of touched on this earlier, but during a crisis, should one stay in a city where supplies and food are prevalent or should you go to a more rural area where you can stay better hidden? And what would determine your decision on that? I think right now, um, while they're starting to do the bread lines and they're starting to do a lot of shortages, normally I would have answered this differently, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer this for what we're going through right now. Uh, if you have families, grandparents, whoever have a farm, go to them. Go to them right now. People need to start getting out into uh, the countryside. The cities right now with the 5G and 
the control systems being set up are meant to keep you there and meant to track you. And the better that we can defend ourselves as a nation and control our own land is the way that we win the war in the end. You have to control the land and you have to be able to eat. So people should be starting to think about going to their bug out locations. And I will stick to that. Rock and roll, man. Question four. With all the seemingly minor gun laws going on, is it just a way to entrap people to take away your firearms on a firearms offense? Come and take it. No, but I, I mean, this is why they're passing it, just so they can get you on that, I'm assuming. Yeah, the king wanted to do that in 1776, too. And if they want to do that again, 1776 will commence again. And there's been plenty of people buying guns, and there's plenty of guns and ammo out in the countryside. We're ready for you. Come and take it from me. Bam. That's my answer. <laughs> Rock and roll, man. Question five. How much ammo should one have in their stash at home and for bug out situations? You don't want to leave an arsenal behind, but what calibers do you recommend having on hand and how much of each? Well, I mean, the, the main calibers that are out there right now, battle rifles, uh, 223 and 556 are the American rifles. Those are very, very prevalent out there. Uh, 3030 level actions are good. Stagecoach gun and ranch gun, 30-06. Then if we're talking about the commies coming down and doing red donnas, you want to have 7.62 by 3.9. That's your AK and SKS standard round. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to say 12-gauge is one of the most versatile guns out there because you have the double-op buck, the triple-op buck, the steel shot, the bird shot. 20-gauge is the next next one in the shotgun range, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're a female or you're you're a smaller frame, you're going to want to use a 20 gauge instead of 12 gauge. Mm -hmm. And then in pistols, you're going to have 9 millimeter, 357, 45, and 40 cal, and 38 special are probably your main rounds that you're going to find out there. As far as going with a bug out bag, you usually keep a pistol with probably 50 to 100 rounds for that pistol. I keep a rifle with at least 100 to 200 rounds. It's really hard to carry that weight after that. I'm with you. In any concept, if you're out there hunting and you're not trying to attack people, you don't need to have a lot of ammo. You just need to have enough to get more. If you know what I mean. Rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Question six. Should people reach out to local militias not only to assist them, but to gain protection in numbers? Well, the, mili the militia originally, under the Constitution and the way that the founders set up our, our nation, was supposed to be any able-bodied man between the ages of 14 and 34. And this was fighting age men, men that were able to protect their own farms and their own communities. So yes, you should be you should be looking towards the men in your society who are able to protect and defend your local community. In a city that's gonna be a really hard thing. You know, you're very diverse and your neighborhoods, people don't really talk to each other and you're already social distance as it is. But people should be looking towards those who work with them and others that can help protect them and help them find things. The militia was meant to be um, the average dude that takes care of the community around them and the people who know to watch for the bad things that are coming at us. So, yes, you should reach out to those people. You should be forming your own little communities right now and not only doing black market trading, but also uh, taking care of one another, trade ammo and weapons with one another, trade food with one another, and... As far as one militia, I think right now that everybody's being very quiet and probably not doing a whole lot of recruiting uh, because this is when the alphabet boys try and come in and 
uh, trying to find out people's plans and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the plan mm-hmm. agenda right now with the militias, as far as I understand, is they're being very quiet, watching what happens, waiting to see who actually attacks us because we're waiting for the light of their eyes. They want us to be violent. They want us to be confrontational. Right. We're not going to do that. We're, we're waiting to see who's ready to attack us and take us over. Yeah, rock and roll, man. Uh, Question seven. Are we past the point of no return with our current government overreach? And do you foresee the tides ever turning? I do. I do see the tides potentially turning. I'm not sure what my faith is in that right now. Okay. But I think it's becoming more and more prevalent as this happens. You know, they, they said we're being attacked by bioweapons. That's been the story underground anyway. Right. And there's not a whole lot of people dying or falling out in the street. So I think there's a real possibility that maybe they caught some people trying to deliver vials through the airports and some professors trying to help them. Uh Maybe they Uh went ahead and let this pandemic happen so that they could see who is going to act and become actors within that pandemic. And if people in the government or the Trump people or anybody are on our side right now, on the people's side, not on the not on the elite side. Then I would hope they were about to start arresting people. Even yelling for three years, I thought you were going to arrest people. I thought you were going to arrest people. But let's say Obama signed presidential directives and stuff, and that everybody within his administration were free of all the charges of things they had done, and that would be a legal thing that you could do. Mm-hmm. Then you would have to almost let them pull off something again and try and do this to us again. Try and drop this. We've watched the the who be defunded, the uh, the Mm -hmm. UN be defunded, and maybe the governors and the mayors who are doing all these pandemics right now, maybe they're just showing themselves for how they are, and they were given a rope to hang themselves. Right on, man. Right on. Question eight. What are some things that you can do to help minimize your digital footprint? Stay off Facebook, not have a computer. What can one do to stay in touch and also keep communications open? Oh yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny because we I met on Facebook, off. right? That's that's kind of the funny part, right? Yeah, I still use social media. <laughs> um, I, I, <laughs> I've I've always figured that uh, social media was meant to track us and use it anyway. But I've always used social media to put out stories and information, and a lot of our open carry movement stuff. We actually planned the events right in front of them on social media because then we had nothing to hide. Right. So on a certain level, communications uh, should be free. The founding fathers knew that in times of war or in times of people tracking what we did, and they, they did that back then too. It, there's nothing new about human nature, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they knew that the freedom of speech and freedom of religion, the freedom of ideas were so important that even when people oppressed us, that we would talk about these things in the dark alleyways mm-hmm. and in the bathrooms and the bathhouse. In the bars where things were allowed, that's actually where they planned a lot of the revolution. We were in the bars and people drinking beer and getting pissed off about what was going on. <laughs> I don't think anybody should stop talking about things. I think that's we right. should be loud about it and say, we're tired of you coming down upon us like tyrants. We want our freedom back, damn it. And apart from that, if you have some really like secret squirrel shit to do, then you know, wrap your phone up in crumpled foil, confuse the signals, and then go out into the middle of the lake in the water have a nice, quiet conversation about what you need to do. Yeah, right on There's, man. Let's, let's do homing pigeons. I mean, don't, don't 
try and keep me from, from talking to people because I'm all about my natural rights and communicating with one another because freedom is that essential. Mm-hmm. Freedom is the most essential. Right on. Right on, man. Question nine. Is camouflage an essential part of survival? And is it that important? And this is kind of a controversial one, but just your opinion and thoughts. I like it. Camouflage is extremely essential. Um, but I don't think people think about camouflage the way that maybe somebody like me does. I'm out in the National Forest right now, so in my bug out bag, I keep a full camo gear ready to go turkey hunting or whatever I need to do to be disappeared in the woods, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're in the city, a t-shirt and blue jeans and a ball cap is just as essential camouflage as being out in the country. Very, very, very good. Very good. Very good point. If you're looking into Big Igloo and you're doing Boogaloo stuff, I've been hearing that a lot of people are starting to uh, buy some camo in in the grade of uh, Hawaiian shirt and tube socks. And for whatever reason... During the boogaloo, we're supposed to all hide with one another wearing uh, nothing but uh, armored helmets, Hawaiian shirts, and tube socks. Amen. <laughs> all right. Sounds like a good new uh, fashion statement. I got the statement. sarcasm. Yeah. Jokes, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Question 10, the final question. Is wearing a mask, a bandana, or a goddamn face shield going to save you from the coronavirus? Well, you know, I was working with my buddy yesterday, farted, and it like filtered through his jeans and his underwear, and I still smelled that shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good job. It wasn't, it wasn't really comforting to me that I was inhaling something that was in his bottom a minute ago. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think one I think of the things that's going on. Okay, Great so story. If, if Great it was story. a real bioweapon, if it was a real bioweapon, then you would have a bioweapons mask. I, I carry one with me all the time. We've gone and, and protected against riots in Dallas and other places. We've carried full riot gear, Russian or American bioweapons masks, where if they release nuclear stuff, you could breathe clean air for a little bit. You know, you can't do it for too long. It'll clog the filter up. Right. But, um, you know, nobody's walking around with that. They're walking around with bandanas and these N95 masks and everything, but they don't realize that they've been working on biometrics for a few years. And what's mm-hmm. going on with the six foot distancing right now is especially in the Walmart stores and other places where the Homeland security cameras are hooked up to everything. And they're sending information. They've developed new software that even if you have a mask over your nose and your face, they can tell who you are by your eyes. Mm-hmm. It used to be where they, they tell, they pulled it off your jawline and your cheek lines and everything. But now the technology is getting so good where they have iris-reading cameras that can work from 25 feet away. So I think that they're going into a series of stages right now where they're trying to make the system work for what it is. And the 1984 society is coming down upon us right now. Mm -hmm. Rock and roll, man. Anyway, so that's Rocket Fire. Give it up for Matthew Shore. Bam! Good job on Rocket Fire, man. Anyways, this is Johnny Rocket, Raylene Lightheart, always launching ideas. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Rock and roll.
this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my Ray of Truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. Bam! Hello. All right, Raylene. All right. All right. I, I, I jumble-jambled for 15 minutes. Go ahead. Take it away. <laughs> okay. Well, there's a, there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk to you about, and one of them is uh, sustainable living. And because we're talking about protection, and we're talking about preparing, but um, one thing that is both uh, protection and preparing is being prepared for not having the water company or not having the way to heat your houses and things like that. So sustainable living is, although thought of as a really hippy dippy kind of thing, something that's been mocked, I believe, in, on purpose in our society to make people less self-reliant because we go with a herd and we're taught to be in a herd and they're even promoting being a protecting the herd by by sacrificing our children to mandated shots with no real safety testing so um how how do you feel about sustainable living and how where would you send people to start researching and, and ways to do that um sustainable living and there there's a lot of people that teach it all the time mm -hmm. When I started waking up, I started getting into that 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I started going camping on the weekends. And I started just trying to do the things. Sustainable living, it's a hard one because a lot of people don't understand anymore. They're so used to going to the grocery stores and consumerism, which has been hey, man, pushed I, on us. I love, I love Uber Eats, man. That's great. Well, capitalism's great. Yeah. Consumerism <laughs> itself is is no, very debilitating I, when we're not self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. No, I know. I know. One of the things where I'm at in Missouri, when the pandemic started, they said, as long as we're locked down, there's no more fishing licenses. And so at the lakes and the rivers here, we're seeing a lot of people fishing. And that's allowing the people to go out and, you know, collect food from their land. And so mm -hmm. sustainable living, oh my goodness. You know, I, I hope you got a wood stove mm -hmm. or ability to make a fire. You know, without electricity or those things, you're going to have to be able to make a fire to cook. Mm -hmm. Shelter is a major thing. If you can have chickens and eggs and, and that sort of thing, that's going to help you out a lot. Liberty Garden is going to help you out. Mm -hmm. Man, it, you know, squirrel brains are pretty good. They kind of taste nutty. Nice. Good. Cause, uh, I can, I, I'll totally eat squirrel brains. I'm thank you because I'm, I'm thinking about, I don't want to get in trouble. Don't let your wives listen to the show guys. Cause they're going to hate me when I say that I'm excited to eat squirrel brains. Um, like, and, and there's a, a lot when there's a, a, a long-term emergency, a lot of people talk about, uh, the sustainable living, but even people doing, um, earth ships where they have, uh, houses, uh, not just full bunkers underneath, but houses halfway in the ground. It keeps you cool. Um, it can, it, you know, igloos themselves are, um, it, it's a sustainable thing that keeps you warm. And there's a lot of science behind the ways that people have done these things, right? Yeah, there is, there, there is, um, it really depends on the area that you live in. Mm -hmm. That's why people in Alaska and the Inuit, they made things like igloos. We're, we're talking about building big igloos right now, but that's more for freedom. Yeah. You know, root cellars and being able to protect your, your food and store it underground, uh, dig a hole with a door on it. Yeah. And learn how to dig a well. Yeah. As this thing started coming about in like December, January. I started collecting materials as soon as I could and I got a bunch of like metal roofing and all I have to do is be able to put some trees together and put that metal roof around it. Bam, I got another building, yeah. another cabin. You know, people use uh, tires and they use the tires and stack them like bricks and they put dirt inside of them. 
and that creates not only a bulletproof barrier, but it also it's puts a, good idea. a barrier where mm-hmm. you're out of the sun and you can put a roof on top of it. And now you have the earth protecting you from the radiation from the sun, which, which gives you cooler air inside. You learn in the summertime, an adobe hut mm-hmm. or an earth-made hut can keep the temperatures inside at like 65 to 70 degrees. Right. Uh, if you're in a warmer climate, if you're in a colder climate, it's going to keep it to 65 or 70 degrees. And yeah. you have the warmth. That's, that's, that's cool. Thing on, on where you're at. Yeah. That's really interesting about tires. Yeah. Make a, make a rocket stove and make a stove for your house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. So thank you for that. And then I wanted to talk to you about when you were talking about masks and then you were talking about the six feet distancing. And this is my personal theory. I'm just going to throw this out there and see what you think. I believe that the entire reason is to program us to see if we will accept being so separated from others that we will not congregate, commune, and work together. And that we they want us to believe that everybody else is this scared, and so we should be too. They don't want us to talk to our neighbors when we find out that if, if the neighbors feel safe to say it, and they feel safe with you, they'll tell you this is bullshit. And they don't want us coming together and they don't want us working together. And they've been at this for a while. And how do we separate us? And uh, they want the best of both worlds and both treating us like a herd and also not making us feel like we're allowed to talk. It's very 1984, like you mentioned. So I'd like to talk about preppers and survivalists. And you hear people making fun of it, which them. Okay. Them. Those haughty ass think nothing's ever going to happen to them and they're mockers and, and I, I don't appreciate them. Um, but you hear them making fun of how we're all paranoid people that want to prepare and, and think this way are uh, hermits that don't trust anybody or don't care about anybody. But it seems to me that they are much more community minded. They are much more understanding of how much people need each other. I mean, what is your take on personality and a lot of faith-based people that um, have a lot of faith in in what they can do and each other in those communities? I mean, what's your take? Wow. That was a lot. Sure, yeah, I've, I've been based in um, North Texas activist communities and Texas activist communities for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And we have received all the ridicule while we did open carry movements, while we mm-hmm. built clans full of people and this is what it comes down to in history people make clans and they become familiar with the people around them and in times like this you should be weary of people who come in that's why i was Mm -hmm. saying the militias probably aren't accepting any new people right now because Mm -hmm. they're they're being very cautious about what's going on right now because we're at a time of war and that's that's a fact people need to get past the what if ands and buts about it as far as the masks go uh, like I said, they're trying to do biometric studies on us right now. They can actually tell the way you walk and read your biometrics from that. The computer and the AI systems are getting that good. They use the Walmart stores and the big box stores to actually connect with Homeland Security and others. Mm-hmm. Then a plan that's been going on during the Obama administration where they were getting Homeland Security and biometric stuff going on. And now China's even getting involved in it. So we have a lot of treason going on. I think the mask thing is fun because it was just weeks before this started that we had 30,000 people marching very armed and calmly in Virginia against the uh, new governor there. Mm-hmm. And they arrested somebody for wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, weeks later, the Rona happens 
and they're saying, oh, now everybody needs to wear masks and everything. Well, weeks before, they were saying, don't wear a mask. We're afraid of you. Now they're saying, wear a mask. Stay in your mm-hmm. home. We're going to come check on you. <laughs> Irony. Yeah. This is a plan to take over and keep you locked in your homes where they can come door to door and help you. But there was also a famous writer from World War II, the Nazis, that said, that we only knew that when they came for us that we shouldn't hide. We should yeah. have met them on our door stoops. And in the alleyways with sticks and clubs, we should have beat them to the point where every time they left and talked to their wives, they said, would we come home tonight? Mm-hmm. And that's the way the American people should be right now. We need to, we need to pull our bootstraps up, grab our nuts. We need to say, oh, we need to keep being badass and take care of our own. So, yeah, you should hide your face from the cops government right now. And you should... Stay out of their way because they're doing all sorts of pandemic stuff. Right. We're under a national level active war right now. And then you should be doing black market things, taking care of one another. That old lady across the street that hadn't talked to nobody in weeks, go check on her. See if she needs some eggs or some flour or something. That's a good point. That old lady is going to sit on her porch and tell you everything that goes on when you take care of her because she's got nothing better than you but watch the community. That's the best kind of camera you could ever have. That's right. She's the person who knows who the people are. Uh-huh. That's so true. You take care of your communities, and, nope. and yes, you you hide you hide one another right now. Let's do underground railroad shit. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right, man. Uh, I have one final question, and this is a question that has been kind of going on regarding uh, the gun owners within the the two A people. The final question of the show for this official show, and it's the open carry versus the concealed carry argument, and um, what are the benefits of each one, and why are so many people even pro 2A guys and girls, generally against open carry. I've noticed this quite a bit. This is going on, especially on YouTube. Uh, and what are the advantages or disadvantages to both of those carrying types? You know, we went through this a lot during the open carry movement. The reason we did open carry movement was because they were trying to go against firearms. And we said, how about we just show you our firearms? Now, my ultimate argument in this scenario is that Police wear shiny badges and open carry their pistols. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever attacks them. Nobody mm-hmm. ever shoots the cop first. Uh, and so that's the argument is if you're open carrying, you're going to get shot first. But in the thousands of open carry marches that we've done and activist community things, every single time we have gone out armed to do things like our, our homeless food and stuff that we do once a year, there has never been any violence in any of those things. So guns and armed society create a nice society. It's science. There's no arguing it. It's science. We prove it over and over. Now, concealed carry, I do this a lot. There's times I do business, and I'm doing business out in the community when not. I want to be armed. I'm carrying a bunch of cash from a customer or something, and I got to take care of things. I might conceal carry my pistol that day because I'm not trying to, let, let, let's call it camouflage, urban camouflage. Right. I'm trying to camouflage the fact that I'm just an old person, and I'm just one of the regular sheep walking around. Right. And... <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say that I'm somebody that's awake and doing it either. So sometimes concealed carrying is like, you know, being one of the sheep and just disappearing into the crowd. Because these days, when you do open carry, people do notice you, but actually they stay away from you because they know you're armed. Well, mm-hmm. there's a thing I, I made a point of is you know how many crimes have been prevented because of somebody open carrying. Right. So, you know, if you see somebody, if you're a bad guy and you walk into a store or something, you see somebody open carrying, 
the bad guy is going to go, you know what? I'm going to go to, to the, the path of least resistance. I'm going to go hit another store, right? Because I know there's a dude with a gun, right? With, with a hand cannon in there, right? So it's the unseen. You really can't statistically point out like a crime never happened. So you really can't tell people how many crimes has it prevented. But I'm sure it has prevented quite a bit of crimes just by open carrying. Whereas if you're concealed carry, everyone looks unarmed, you know? And so again, yeah, there's some, you know, possible dangers to it. But again, it's the unseen, as Bastiat would say, right? You, you can't really give statistics on something that didn't happen, right? So it's, but I see your point. Cops, yeah, they open carry all the time. Unless they're a detective, right? Yeah, and, you know, at, at Don't Comply, we did a fake mass shooting a couple of years ago at UT. And it made international news and all the, all the media came there. We ended up ditching the entire police department of Austin, Texas, and the entire world's media and pulled off the fake mass shooting two blocks away 20 minutes later. And the thing about it is we ended up getting them to pass the law that people could start carrying on campuses in Texas after that because we showed them, we proved it to them because we told them we were going to do it. And we pulled it off even when they were watching us try and do it. And the very, like, I think two weeks later, a guy went on a mass stabbing at UT campus. He started stabbing people and just getting crazy. He didn't have a gun. He was stabbing people. And there was a guy carrying a gun there, folded on him, and he stopped the mass stabbing because someone was armed and ready for that situation. An armed society is a fly society. The more that we've done this, the more guns have been sold in America, the crime rates have actually been dropping. Sure. Makes sense. Mm. It does. It does make sense. All right, Raylene, prepare for landing. Roger that, Johnny. Seat belts and shoulder harnesses. Your body, your choice. Landing gear and downward expanders. NAP initiated. Anti-state superchargers. Defragged and woke. Landing lights and guest websites. Matthew, give us your .com, sir. Don't comply.com. I'm going to take it America. <laughs> and uh, are you on Facebook? <laughs> Find you on Facebook. Yeah, Matthew Shore on Facebook. Show me baby on YouTube. All right. We've got lots of sites going on. We, we we want people to, you know, live under the nap and do freedom. Quit letting them cage you and enslave you. Rock and roll, man. Well, anyway, so this is Johnny Rocket and the beautiful Raylene Lightheart always launching ideas here at Blast Off and Launchpad Media. And we'll see you next week with episode 72. So rock and roll. People get on the blast off. I blast off. Yes, we're on a trip on a rugged ship. Come on, folks, me. People.